Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome to the Cannabis Daily Show for Wednesday, nope, Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. Since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, the brands, the people, and the trends driving the cannabis industry, and we try to do that here every day. We'd love to hear from you in the comments below, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and it. If you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe. Following today's rundown of the top news, we'll connect with Dr. Daniel Baer. He is a PhD at Humber College in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, about a campaign they've put out called Weed Out Misinformation, which is an honest, scientifically based and stigma-free discussion about cannabis that helps people make informed decisions and maximize benefits when they consume cannabis some information about upcoming events. Well, actually, yesterday we posted photos of our recent New York event, which was on March 10th. You can see the photo recap on our website at businessofcannabis.com. It's also linked in the information below. Next week, on March 30th, we'll have our retail series. It's a monthly series focused for dispensaries and cannabis retailers. It's presented by Leafly and Vitrina Group. We'll be talking about how to prepare your cannabis store or dispensary for the 420 holiday. Then, in September, we'll be back in New York for Business of Cannabis New York, a two-day bonanza. More information and links below. For today's stories, a D.C. dispensary is selling motivational speeches with a gift of cannabis. The cannabis industry is pushing for banking reform ahead of midterm elections. Cannabis sales and store insights from British Columbia from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. The NCAA is increasing their THC threshold for college athletes. And a tour of Michigan's largest new cannabis grow west of Kalamazoo. For our first story. In Washington, D.C., where possessing small amounts of cannabis is legal, but adult use sales are not, Entrepreneurs are finding creative ways to deliver low-cost services and gifting cannabis as a legal bonus. This is in the Washington Post. Dreamy DC, for example, sells motivational speeches at different lengths and different price points from 60 bucks to 360 bucks, and gifts cannabis at the end of the speech. While regulators disagree on whether to outlaw gifting or legalize adult use quickly, Dreamy DC's Liz Sluchak says the service has proven to be vital through the pandemic. For our second story, concern that Republicans will take control of Congress after November's midterms, more than 20 cannabis executives are on a lobbying blitz in D.C. They're asking lawmakers to pass the Safe Banking Act, this according to a story in The Hill. Safe Banking has bipartisan support, while other issues surrounding taxation and social justice are more controversial. Quote, there is certainly momentum building around trying to get something done this year in the Senate. This is according to Leaf CEO Joe Bayern. On both the Republican and Democratic side, we're seeing consensus for safe banking as being the piece of legislation that could pass. Good luck to all you lobbying in D.C. For our third story, each week, Business of Cannabis delivers a series of insights from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. This week, Cannabis Benchmarks focused on British Columbia, where the government opened online sales to private retailers back in August 2020. The one caveat there was that customers were required to pick up their purchase in person. That changed on July 15th last year when licensed cannabis retailers in BC were authorized to deliver recreational cannabis products directly to consumers. The BC government saw this as an avenue to support BC's legal cannabis industry and continue to push out the legacy market. With this initiative and the continued growth in retail stores, Cannabis Benchmarks is seeing BC's legal cannabis sales grow alongside its increase in stores. You can read the full briefing on our website at businessofcannabis.com.
for our fourth story. The NCAA is demonstrating some sanity during March Madness by increasing its THC threshold from 35 to 150 nanograms per millimeter, milliliter, sorry, um, reports. This is from Cannabis. Now, the policy is aligned with the World Anti-Doping Agency. For our final story, 30 miles west of Kalamazoo, 305 Farms is building the new 350,000 square foot cannabis cultivation facility in the village of Lawrence. It's believed to be the state's largest so far, according to MLive, a website that covers Michigan. Phase 1, which is 44,000 square feet, is complete. There will be a lab, commercial kitchen, rolling machine, and vault for storing product. With sustainability in mind, 95% of the water used will be recycled and LED lights will be used. They plan to grow about 80,000 plants at a time by 2025. According to the president of the company, we finally made it for Lawrence. Lawrence has struggled for a long time. The park has struggled with 305, 305 coming in and bringing in all these jobs. The tax base is phenomenal for us. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 plus others and catch all these stories in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up in our B of C live conversation, we connect with Dr. Daniel Baer, PhD. He's at Humber College in Toronto. He'll be talking about a campaign they have tackling cannabis misinformation. This is Dr. Daniel Baer. Daniel, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you on. Well, first of all, I followed you on Twitter. So, I mean, anybody I can follow on Twitter and then see quasi face-to-face -face like this is good. Um, talk a little bit about um, your role at Humber. We'll start there. Then we'll get to cannabis. Then we'll talk about what you're doing there. Can we do that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a professor in the Faculty of Social and Community Services at Humber College here in Toronto. And my work focuses largely around uh, harm reduction, uh, cannabis policy, a bit on policing. Uh, that's sort of where I started off uh, with drugs issues uh, during my doctorate. But really these days I've been focusing on how to try and engage people better uh, about cannabis information and to try and break down some of the old approaches that really focused on fear and stigma and talk about cannabis in a, a nuanced way, an honest way, and something that's, uh, you know, evidence-informed. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good lead into the next question, which is talk about if you're if you're okay with it, talk about sort of your experience with cannabis and sort of how you came to sort of either study this or work in this or or came to it overall. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a it's a long history now. I've been professionally working in cannabis since 2003, um, but I started off as a medical cannabis consumer in 1998. I was 16 years old and uh, I'd suffered some very severe injuries in a fight. Uh, I say fight, I got jumped. <laughs> fight makes it sound like I put up more of a defense. Right. But, um, you know, I, I started using cannabis to deal with the post-traumatic stress that I was experiencing, but I was 16 and it was 1998. And even though we had medical can cannabis in, in California, I couldn't really talk to anybody about it. And, um, you know, I, I would see friends being arrested. Um, and what I noticed was that my black friends were getting arrested and going to juvie or having you know, real serious repercussions and white friends were getting driven home to their parents with you know a slap on the wrist. And it just started me down a rabbit hole of trying to understand what this thing was that I was seeing and experiencing and was part of, but couldn't really um, you know, talk about to any adults around me. You know, I lived in constant fear that I would be outed 
as a cannabis consumer. And, you know, as strange as that sounds now, back then it was my reality. Um, and it's just, it's led me on a pathway of, of researching drugs and cannabis in particular that has taken me in a lot of different areas. You know, I worked in medical cannabis issues with Women's Alliance for Medical Marijuana in California, you know, helping them grow their cannabis and understanding the role that cannabis played in the lives of terminally ill people. Um, and then I, I switched to policing of cannabis. And so I spent a year on the streets with police officers in the UK, seeing how drugs fit into their day-to-day -day policing activities um, and the role that drugs sort of filled for them professionally. And then turns out that uh, in a very difficult job, sometimes all you want is a tangible win. And even if that tangible win is a baggie of cannabis, um, you know, that could really make an officer feel like they'd accomplished something. And, you know, since legalization, I've been focusing more, actually, sorry, I skipped, I worked with the ACLU, uh, American Civil Liberties Union for several years, um, doing drugs and civil rights cases. And now I've, I've, you know, been fortunate to live in Canada, I moved here just before legalization. And I, I really tried to start going back to my roots a bit and thinking about, you know, what can we do that would have helped 16 year old me have a better experience with cannabis, because I'll be honest, I, you know, I was using cannabis in a problematic way at some points um, because I, no one had ever sat to me down and said, why are you using cannabis? How do you want to be using cannabis and how do you want it to benefit you? I just knew that cannabis made me feel better. And I feel like if I had had some more information there, I would have had a better experience with, with cannabis. And I, I think overall, I've had a very good experience with cannabis in my life. Um, but I think about the kind of public education where someone who could have been trustworthy and I, I would have seen as honest and providing scientifically based information could have helped me steer through some of those difficult early years a bit better. And that's kind of what we're trying to do now. And that actually comes to sort of why we wanted to connect with you now, which is something uh, you've been working on at Humber called Weed Out Misinformation Campaign, which sounds like actually the culmination of a lot of your background. Talk a little bit about how it came to be, who the different, I guess, who the different players are and what it actually is. Yeah, so um, 2019, we saw there was some uh, grant funding available through the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada. And, you know, five years ago, I never would have thought to apply to them for a grant, but, you know, times they are changing. And I, I kind of felt like now was the time we'd done a pilot project um, before that. And what we found in that pilot project was that young people that we talked to were feeling very stigmatized, really didn't want to be labeled as a stoner. They wanted to be labeled as the person they were who happens to, you know, use cannabis. And that too often that cannabis identity was put at the forefront of anything else. And so we, we launched this project and the idea was very simple. Ask cannabis consumers what kind of information they want to know about cannabis. Ask them what they know already and where they're getting that information and ask them who they want to deliver the information they're seeking. And the answers that we got back after surveying 1600 people uh, and then holding focus groups uh, with about another hundred was, was pretty straightforward. They got information from their peers they didn't necessarily trust their peers that much, but the groups that they did trust, they didn't have good access to. So they trusted people like academics and doctors, but too often they were being stigmatized by their own doctor. Or, you know, they trusted bud tenders to have good information, but they always kind of worried that bud tenders were just trying to sell them something. And so what we saw was that there was potentially this narrow lane that you could traverse where you can have sort of peer created materials, but also outside experts come in together 
and form a kind of direct drugs education program that focused on harm reduction, which was you know, relatively still novel, but also sort of took them towards benefit maximization. How do you think about set and setting in your drugs use? How do you decide what products you want based on what your intended outcome is? And so we, we built out um, some initial ideas by giving the data that we had to students at Humber College. And we said, you are best place as young people. Like, listen, I'm turning 40 soon. And as much as I don't You're a young that, person I, too, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we gave it to advertising students at Humber and we said, come up with some campaign ideas. Here's the data that we have. We took their campaign ideas, had a judging panel with uh, bud tenders and cannabis health experts and consumers. We took the two um, uh, best campaigns and we put those in front of another round of focus groups of cannabis consumers, bud tenders, public health professionals. And we really fine tuned the messaging and the tone, the imagery, everything, so that it was as close to what cannabis consumers themselves said they wanted as we could produce. And so we built out all the campaign materials. We've got brochures on, you know, if you're a first time consumer, here's a checklist of things to think about. If you're a frequent consumer, here's things you can think about in terms of harm reduction or um, you know, why you might want to consider vapes or dabs, um, depending on what your outcome is. And then you know, we built out a whole campaign and it's going to be rolling out. Um, it's online now, and then it'll start appearing in stores um, soon. Um, I know Canopy uh, Growth has seen uh, the project and they're really enthusiastic. And while they're not a financial contributor to the project in any way, they've said, listen, we want to get these materials out to some of our stores. And because the campaign is all Creative Commons licensed, you know, we've got everything on the website. People can download the posters, the brochures, everything, um, and use them as they see fit in their settings. And so we're also really fortunate to be partnered with the Canadian Public Health Association and Canadian Students for Sensible Drugs Policy, both of whom helped us build out our materials and, and really make sure we have the best evidence base to work from, but then are also hopefully going to um, disperse these materials. And my goal is, is twofold. One, I want to see this campaign obviously impact and help people make you know, better choices about cannabis, better being defined as like what works for them, not moralistically like this cannabis is better than the other. But the other thing that we want to do is we want to learn from this. And so we'll be launching a full evaluation because we want to change the way that we talk about cannabis. DARE is dead. And we want to see what comes next. And maybe this project is really good and people love it and it's wonderful. But even if it's not, even if we get panned and people give us tons of feedback that says, you totally screwed up here, you wasted a lot of money. That's all learning. And it's, it's one step away from the old paradigm of drugs discussions and hopefully into whatever comes next. And whatever comes next, hopefully doesn't have stigma and fear and othering and all the other crap that we dealt with first century. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to put a link to the weed out information. So weedoutmisinformation.ca is the website. Yeah. I'll also put the link to it uh, below in the description, but it's really good. I was just cruising around before we came on. And I, I mean, it's, it's really good information and, and really engaging. And so all the things you just said, and there's a chill playlist uh, that says, <laughs> enjoy while you wait to come back to a more comfortable level of high. So it's in the green zone of the webpage. So like it is, it is all encompassing, but I think you're right. Like what you just said, like dare is dead. And like, how do we talk about this in a, in a sensible way, but a way that is actually relevant to people who are 
cannabis consumers or would want to be right. Like it's, it's, um, it's without the stigma, it's out the bullshit. I think maybe, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but it really is. It's just a more thoughtful approach, especially as you know, Canada is lead, leads the way on this legalization at a federal level. Like people's access to cannabis has gone way up because it's in people's mm-hmm. neighborhoods, right. And, and in an illegal way and a well-lit way, like all those things, more people are going to come in contact with it and, and sort of, non-moralistic ways to sort of think about and talk about it is super important so i i kudos to the work you're doing and it's really cool and i'm gonna i'll I'll post it as i said as we post this anything that you're super interested sort of hearing feedback on that if people sort of from the business of cannabis world take a look through that you might want uh feedback maybe not publicly on twitter but directly to you or your email (laughs) yeah my dms are open for that reason that's Um, exactly why Um, yeah, I'd rather get uh, scolded in, in private than in public. Um, you know, I think from a business perspective, one of the challenges we face in Canada is, of course, the regulation on advertising. Yeah. And so, you know, while that whole side of things is is open to a lot of discussion and debate, I think one thing it does is it pushes companies and organizations to think about how they approach cannabis discussions from a well-being, health, social justice side of things. Um, and to make their mark in that way. I mean, you're not making it on how your packaging looks and you're not making it based on the celebrity endorsement that you have. You're, you're bringing people in by those other things. And so if one of the ways that we can um, engage consumers is to show that not only are we a company that's here to make profit and sell cannabis, but we're a company that's here to help change the way things are discussed, I think that puts businesses in a pretty good position to catch the attention of consumers. And while that's not the goal of a project like this, I think, I think we'll start seeing more and more discussions related to the impact that cannabis companies have. Um, you know, one thing I think back to is the portrayal of tobacco companies. And if you listen to anti-cannabis messaging, they basically equate every cannabis producer with a tobacco producer. You know, they're nefarious. They just want your money. They don't care about your health. And while that's not true, I think there also needs to be an effort to show that that's not true. And so. I don't know that you know this campaign is the is the thing they do, but I think we're going to start seeing more of that as the answer to we can't advertise and we can't differentiate our product based on you know what people see in the store there. So yeah, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I got no idea. No, I think you're right. I think you're right, and and, and it, it it's not going to be right unless people try and do interesting new and thoughtful things, which is why kudos to you and the team at Humber, because uh, I think it's it's really interesting. We're going to encourage people to check out the website, check out the campaign, connect with you in your dms with constructive <laughs> feedback um but we appreciate your time thank you for the work you're doing and we look forward to following up and uh connecting with you down the road awesome thanks for the time to chat that was episode 52 of the cannabis daily show thank you for joining us here on youtube or wherever you caught the program please do subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below and we will see you tomorrow